Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay on Monday, June the 19th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. And first today, a man's due in court charged with murder following a fatal shooting on the Isle of Sheppey. 35-year-old Sam Petrie was found dead at a holiday park in Eastchurch just over a week ago. Jonathan Lawler, who's 42 and doesn't have a permanent address, will appear alongside a 35-year-old woman who's accused of assisting an offender. The parents of a Sheerness boy who died unexpectedly say they still have unanswered questions following a three-day inquest. Four-year-old Harry Broughton was taken to A&E at Medway Maritime Hospital after falling ill last April, but died after having a cardiac arrest. A coroner's heard how doctors delayed his antibiotics and didn't immediately push the emergency button when he stopped breathing, although experts say none of that would have made a difference to his death. The NHS Trust launched a serious incident investigation and insist lessons have been learned. A prison officer who grabbed an inmate round the neck at a jail on Sheppey has been sacked from the service. Simon Fisk was a senior officer running a wing at HMP Elmley when he had what's been described as a momentary loss of control and shouted in the man's face. The 55-year-old from Rock Avenue in Gillingham was found guilty of assault after a trial and will have to do 120 hours of unpaid work. Now, this is by far one of our most read stories on the website today. People living on the outskirts of Canterbury say they're unable to get any peace and quiet because of a new railway siren. A loud noise to warn pedestrians about the track in Thannington goes off roughly every 15 minutes for 16 hours a day. It does switch to a lower volume overnight, but residents say they can't relax in their gardens or have their windows open while indoors, even during the recent heatwave. Martin and Sue Flay live nearby. It's very annoying because it's regular. It's every 20 minutes. It's an alarm. So it's there for people to hear and to alarm. And you're sitting there and you're, you're, you can be having a nice quiet cup of tea or a moment. Next thing you know, the alarm starts off. Um, We're quite used to the trains going past, they're not a problem, but the alarm is rather intrusive. I'm annoyed that they felt the need to put it in without consulting, without any consideration to the neighbourhood, without anyone coming around asking if it is having an impact on us, uh, and just doing it off the bat, no consultation at all. For me, um, it's very, it's loud. It's, if you haven't got the traffic sound behind you, it's even louder, it's intrusive. You, you can't sit in your back garden for too long because it's every 15, 20 minutes and it just starts to wind you down in the end. You know, like, I mean, you have to, to get rid of the noise, you would have to be indoors with the door shut. There's a very serious reason as to why the alarm has been installed. In 2017, a 21-year-old man died after he was hit by a train, while in 2014, a 36-year-old man lost his life at the crossing. Well, Network Rail have sent us the following statement. We have recently installed a miniature stoplight system at Tomford Lane level crossing in Fannington to make it safer for users. Previously, train drivers would blow their whistle when passing whistleboards to notify level crossing users of an approaching train. However, 
However, these have now been removed, meaning that the trains no longer blow their horns in this area. This new enhanced system is safer and gives users an audible and visual warning when it's safe to cross and is necessary due to the crossing having insufficient sighting of trains due to a curve in the track. This level crossing is also used by a large number of vulnerable users, meaning a longer warning time is required. We are sorry to hear the audible warning level is disturbing nearby residents and our team will be visiting the level crossing next week to reduce the sound level. Kent Online News. Five people have been arrested after a fight broke out in Canterbury City Centre. Police say they were called to a large disturbance on Saturday night. The suspects had left the scene when officers arrived but they were tracked down and detained on suspicion of a fray. Figures show more than 10,000 asylum seekers have crossed the channel to Kent in small boats so far this year. There's been an increase in arrivals in recent days because of the good weather. The government insists tackling the issue is one of their top priorities, but experts say the only way to stop people making the dangerous journey is to provide safe and legal routes. Meantime, it's feared young asylum seekers detained under new laws could be at risk of post-traumatic stress disorder and clinical depression. A group of leading medical organisations has raised concerns in a letter to the Home Secretary and Health Secretary. The policy is part of the Illegal Migration Bill, which ministers say will reduce the number of people crossing the Channel to Kent in small boats. Next, and the Kent Online podcast has been told cracks have started to appear in the walls of homes along a busy stretch of road in Ashford because of the number of lorries driving past. And the issue on Hythe Road has got so bad, they've started a petition calling for HGVs to be stopped from using the route as a cut through to the M20. Jeff Matthews lives there. What you get is a drumming effect. So as a lorry comes, an HGV comes down the road, you get boom, 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 boom. And it's that energy, I call it seismic, that is then being magnified into the earth bank and the houses that are standing on it, of course, being higher, physically wobble. And because the lorries have got heavier, over the years and because of the fact that they're now moving faster they're taking no notice of the speed camera most of them are continental lorry drivers whose sat navs are largely out of date and are trying to bypass being fined for being where they shouldn't be and the wheel clamping but what it means is that there's um, there's through traffic coming down Hythe Road which is actually no real need to be there. It could be routed round the A2070, which has just been improved substantially, at what I term the Southern Orbital Road that goes past Finbury. That whole junction has just been uh, redone, modernised, and it's more than capable of taking this level of HGV traffic. The effect of that during the night, especially, is people's sleep is disturbed, buildings of, or that houses are physically shaking, most people that are using their front bedrooms will actually feel this in, it, it, while they're in bed because the bed physically shakes. Where the stairs join in the house and you get the landing to the upstairs is the place where most of these cracks will turn up. Also, the front walls, uh, or the garden wall, if you like, which fronts onto Hythe Road, a lot of them are sloping and are also cracked. And because this shaking is, is making these, this earth that's banked up behind these walls, um, it is slowly pushing the walls forward.
we can see in the loft where the um, ceilings of the upper floors are that there are cracks appearing in, in, in the plasterboard uh, and on, in the internal walls of, of these houses. And the thing is, is the, 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 the petition shows with two, some 230 signatures this is not just an isolated case. Other homeowners say they've stopped using their front rooms because of the noise. Well, in September 2003, an order to turn the A292 Hythe Road into a trunk road was made, meaning it became a recommended route for long distance and freight traffic. Well, hundreds of people have now signed the petition calling for that decision to be reversed and it's been handed in to the council. Kent Online reports. There are calls for better healthcare provision in Sittingbourne amid claims the situation now is leading to premature deaths. A consultation has been launched to find out what's needed in the area. Monique Bonney, who's a local councillor, says more GP practices and hospital facilities are needed. A Maidstone mum's complained after her daughter, who's in year seven, was shown a video about FGM at school. The 11-year-old is said to have fainted during the PSHE lesson at Maplesden Noakes Academy. The head teacher says they're following government guidelines and content is shared with parents in advance so they can opt out for their child if they want to. A Folkestone litter picker says he's collecting beer bottles and cans on a daily basis and is calling for bigger bins in the area. At Kent Online, you can see a huge watermelon beach chair and aluminium picnic plates amongst the rubbish left at the Lees last weekend. It is a popular seaside spot and council bosses say they'll review bin capacity over the summer but are urging people to take their rubbish home with them if the bins are full. Meantime, people living in part of Folkestone say the area looks worse than Glastonbury because there aren't enough bins. Residents of Starfield Close in Cheriton have urged the housing association there to provide more waste facilities Moat Housing say they're working with the local council to try and improve the situation. Now, you may have noticed over the weekend there was plenty of pomp and pageantry as the King's official birthday was marked with Trooping the Colour in London. And as part of the celebrations, those recognised in His Majesty's birthday honours were also revealed. Davina McCall was among the Kent people to get an honour. The presenter, who lives in Tunbridge Wells, is receiving an MBE for services to broadcasting. Tom Coyd from Gillingham will get the same award for services to wheelchair rugby league. The 27-year-old is the England coach and told me about the moment he opened the letter with his girlfriend. A couple of weeks ago, a letter came through from the Cabinet Office and my first reaction was, hmm, I hope I haven't done anything wrong because um, I haven't received many letters like that before. But um, my mum sent me a message um, and said, there's a letter arrived for you at our house. Uh, can, can I open it? Because it says... It's from the cabinet office. And then she was shining her torch through the back of the envelope to see if she could like enlighten any of the wording. I said, no, no, no. I'll come round with my girlfriend, Grace, later and we'll open it together. So we went round and had dinner and then opened it. And uh, that's how we got the news. What was your reaction? My jaw hit the floor genuinely. And Grace was saying to me the other day, it's one of the few times she's ever seen me speechless. Because um, obviously I just didn't expect it. Like we don't do any of the work that we do for individual honours. And I know we achieved something really amazing last year, but I, the thought hadn't crossed my mind um, because it, it's not something that really um, I'm engaged by, if you know what I mean. But obviously, absolutely bowled over to be recognised. And obviously, because the letter arrived at your parents' house, they obviously know about it. What did they say? 
mum was there when we opened it she was ecstatic just jumping around and and that's what's really special is like being able to share the news with people like my parents my brother and my sister grandparents like that's when you realize how meaningful it is or how important it is and um you know it's it's great for me to enjoy it for myself but seeing how excited it makes my mum and dad and and other people is what I really get a kick out of because you know they've been such a big part of my journey they've helped me to be the person that I am and I think it's recognition for them as well so um dad wasn't there but he he came on FaceTime and just said how proud he was and he, he's actually had an OBE for nearly 10 years now for services to rugby league so um I've got a little bit of catching up to do <laughs> You're certainly keeping it in the family that's for sure but tell us a bit about your journey then and and how you ended up getting involved in rugby league is it because of what your your dad was doing as you kind of followed in his footsteps as it were yeah so obviously being from Kent there wasn't a massive amount of rugby league around although we do run our own rugby league club called Medway Dragons uh, but dad was uh, born and brought up in Warrington so that's the first link for rugby league really and um, growing up, my brother Joe and I insisted that we wanted to play rugby league because, you know, dad's influence was rubbing off on us, but there just wasn't much rugby league around. So we played rugby union for a few years and then um, some other players in our team and um, those players' parents were nagging dad to start a rugby league team because, again, his his just absolute devotion to rugby league rubs off on the people that he works with. So we ended up starting Meadow Dragons in 2007 and I've been coaching ever since really, even though I was about 11 years old when that club started, dad just turned around to me and said, we don't have enough coaches. I'm going to need you to, to lend a hand. So I was pushed into it really. And obviously um, most people's first love is playing the game. But I've been coaching since um, childhood. And I think, although, you know, I'm 27 and I, I've been coaching a national team, that feels really soon for a lot of people. But I've actually been coaching for longer in my life than I've not been coaching, if you like. So it doesn't feel like too soon for me. Huge success last year. Um, I mean, it must have been unbelievable. And at such a young age, if you don't mind me saying, you are the pretty young to, to be a coach and to have achieved that. I mean, you must think, wow, what else can I achieve? And then <laughs> that letter turns up for you. I mean, it's it must have been a roller coaster 12 months, really. It has been. It's been insane. Um, I, I'm really excited about the future, but um, I think it's important to reflect on like what we've been able to achieve as a team. And about half the players in our group are the same age or older than me and the oldest player is 42. So, you know, I'm coaching people who are old enough to be my dad in a lot of cases. And when I first joined the staff, I had to work really hard to gain their respect because, you know, why should they take any notice of me? I was new to the game and younger than them. So <laughs> I didn't have a whole lot going for me in terms of credibility, but I, I think that uh, through hard work and, and showing up and, and trying to add value, I, I did slowly gain their trust. And um, now we're in a, just the best place ever. We've been lucky enough to go to events like BBC Sports Personality and got massive coverage there. We've been hosted by um, the Princess at Hampton Court Palace. And um, awards just keep coming. For, for this group and, and this sport and we're being recognised on the same platform as the traditional games now so 
um, onwards and upwards. Folkestone and Tithe MP Damien Collins gets an OBE. You can see the full list by heading to Kent Online. Kent Online reports. There are fears a child could be injured and possibly even killed if nothing's done to stop nuisance bikers in Swanscombe. They're regularly heard riding on pavements during the day and late at night. Police have told us they recently issued a warning to a teenager after being called to Gun Road and take reports of antisocial behaviour seriously. It's also feared people on jet skis and dinghies could be risking their lives by getting too close to a shipwreck packed with explosives off the Kent coast. The SS Richard Montgomery sank near Sheerness nearly 80 years ago, but could still be dangerous. A 500-metre exclusion zone is marked out with yellow and orange buoys, but it's claimed some people are ignoring them. Now, a Kent dad who set up a group to support others has told the podcast he hopes to expand it across the whole county. Dad Space gives fathers a chance to meet up, go for a walk and share their concerns. Well, as part of Men's Health Week, it's been revealed around one in eight men have issues like anxiety, stress or depression, but many don't open up. Denver King from Maidstone says the stats aren't a surprise. Men not all men, but a lot of men will tend to bottle things up and not share things. And I think a lot of the time over a beer and stuff like that, going out in the pub is not necessarily the right environment to, to have those conversations where you've got things bottled up. So, you know, providing spaces like this, like with dad space and that, that gives you that open space just to, to talk freely as much as you feel comfortable with. And why do you think it might be that perhaps men do bottle things up more than perhaps women will? Um, you know, women have traditionally been been seen to, to share their problems more. Why why do you think in the past men men haven't done that? Masculinity, I feel like probably a bit, a bit they feel as though it's 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 not very macho or uh, stuff like that to show your to show your vulnerability when actually Showing your vulnerability is actually a real strength that anyone can show. They can show that they, they have, if they're struggling with something and they can share that, that's a real strength, I believe. And what sort of feedback have you had from the dads that come along? I mean, are you seeing the same people every every time you meet up or is it um, different people? What have, what have they said to you about the group and, and how it's helped them? So both, really. Um, I think pretty much every every session that we've had, we've at least had uh, uh, at least one new person, if not half a dozen and and equally we have uh, returning people coming every time as well we have we have a, a, a whatsapp group for the dads that we, that, that's there as a, as a, a support between the meetings uh, as well as a facebook private group and um we get meet we get like um messages from the guys just saying how much they they feel relieved by sharing the things that are going on in their in their in their heads and stuff like that and getting it off their chest, yeah. As well as the WhatsApp group and, and Facebook, tell us what, what else you do, because you do meet up in person as well, don't you? Oh, yeah, so the meet-up, that's, that's mainly what we do, is the, is the meet-up in person, yeah. So the, the supports with the WhatsApp and the Facebook, they're, they're purely there in between the meetings. So we have we have monthly meetings, uh, we have a sit-down meeting, um, which is held in Bortom on Chelsea at the Albion pub. Um, that usually lasts between two, two and a half hours. And then the following month, we have a walk and talk, which is also in Bortom on Chelsea at the Musket Brewery. And, and, and that, again, will have the sit down environment for the guys where we have the opportunity to talk about whatever they want. And that's followed by a walk out in the fresh air. And can you see the group after 18 months, Denver? Can you see that it's going to be growing? Are you going to expand this into yeah. other areas or what, what's going to happen in future? Yeah, absolutely. So already that's the two, the two locations that I just spoke about there are in Maidstone. 
We also have a, a venue that we've been operating now for over a year in Seven Oaks uh, called um, the Lost Gardens of Seven Oaks. And over there, we host a lot of family events over there that run sort of um, like Easter, Christmas, Halloween, etc. We've got a fundraiser there in the summer. And we're also launching our first Dad Space evening event over there with a fire pit and a burger and a beer, which is quite a relaxed affair, which gets the guys involved to come along to that. And, and yeah, new locations. We are actually in conversation with the KCC at the moment. I've got Tunbridge Wells, Ashford, Broadstairs and uh, Folkestone are all new locations that are all on the horizon that we should be launching later this year. Fantastic. So it really sounds like it could go county wide, which obviously is going to offer a huge amount of support to an awful lot of dads, because at the minute you must feel a bit frustrated that it is just the ones in Maidstone and Seven Oaks are able to do it at the moment. And you must know there's there's way more dads that would like to get together and, and chat about issues. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the broader picture is we want to be able to offer this to as many towns across Kent and beyond as possible. I think it's proven by the meetings that we do had just how much it's needed and um, by offering that space. Um, it surprised me just from the very first one we did, just how much it was needed. And um, like I say, by the fact that we have regular people coming back all of the, uh, each session, along with new people, each time new people come in, it, it's, it, it's, it's growing and growing. Yeah, for me, I just want to see it. I want to see see dad space being offered in every town across across Kent to start off with and then beyond. Kent Online News. A pub in Folkestone that's covered in graffiti after being left empty since 2005 could finally be torn down. New plans have been submitted to demolish the two bells in Canterbury Road and create an apartment building with 12 flats. Previous redevelopment proposals have failed because of rising building costs and design issues. You can see what the pub looks like by heading to the story on the website today. It's feared a rare vintage car up for sale in Herne Bay could be scrapped for parts unless someone can restore it. The 1965 Rolls-Royce Silver Cloud has a price tag of £10,000. It's one of only a few to still exist, but the owner's getting rid of it to help fund another project. Dua Lipa's number one on the Kent Top 40 over on our sister radio station KMFM for the second week in a row. Her song Dance the Night is from the new Barbie movie, which is out in cinemas next month. Kylie's Padam Padam is at number two in the chart with Miracle by Calvin Harris and Ellie Golding at three. And we're going to finish with music news because a man who started busking on the streets of Thanet as a teenager has been telling the podcast how he now rubs shoulders with the rich and famous. John Nickel can be found on most nights playing in the iconic American bar at the Savoy Hotel in London. The 45-year-old from Ramsgate became the youngest musician to be given a gig there back in 2004 and hasn't left, where he's been chatting to our reporter, Jerry Warren. I saw Elvis Presley on TV when I was about seven years old and it just completely blew my mind. And I thought, I think, I didn't think I wanted to be Elvis Presley, but I thought I want to play and sing. My father taught me my first few chords on guitar. Um, Now, because both my parents were really into 50s and 60s music, I very quickly started to learn that material, the Everly Brothers Billy Fury, Eddie Cochran, Elvis, Beach Boys, Beatles, blah, blah, blah. Um, and before I knew it, you know, I knew hundreds and hundreds of songs from that era um, and, and quite quickly picked up little kind of gigs here and there, learning a bit of pocket money, playing and singing. But yeah. well, my uncle, uh, Keith Pearson, uh, my mum's brother, he used to play lots of, on the kind of folk circuit around, obviously, Broadstairs Folk Week uh, and the folk clubs around Thunnett and Kent. And so I, I'd grown up seeing him play. 
and quite quickly would do little floor spots and, and play a couple of songs before his gigs or other artists. Um, and so I guess uh, I got quite comfortable with that from quite an early age, although I'm not a, a cocky person by any means. I was reasonably comfortable with just playing and singing. It seemed perfectly reasonable for me to, to do that. Uh, and uh, yeah, before I knew it, I was that's kind of what I did. So I, I did an audition for, by this point, I'm living in London with my then fiance, and I did an audition for an agent. Uh, on guitar and he said that's great do you play piano and I said yeah I play piano a bit he said let me hear you play piano so I played piano for 10 minutes and he said this is great he said I have more of a need for piano player singers than I do guitarists I supply hotels in London so I did a few little hotels in London and then he got the Savoy uh, contract his name is Gary Parks Gary Parks Music quite a famous London agent and um, and so and I got the Savoy gig and I've been there uh, ever since I was absolutely terrified uh, and I I, I no, I don't. I, th I think I thought if I can get a year out of this, you know, that will that will be great. Uh, I never in a million years thought I'd still be there in 22 years time. What an amazing, that was probably one of the highlights actually for me. Yes, it was, um, I don't know how many years it would have been, but I they've been filming the South Bank Awards in the hotel. It was like a kind of quiet Tuesday or Wednesday night. Amy Winehouse was the only person clapping me in, in the American bar, the only person clapping me which is pretty wild. Uh, and then she came over and said, can I sing a, a few songs with you? Which I normally the struck answer is no, you can't. But obviously, yeah, of course you can. So she sat next to me on the piano bench and sang for about 20, 25 minutes. And it was it was a bit like having a Billie Holiday or an Ella Fitzgerald next to you. Just, and I mean, to have that voice in your in your uh, right ear. Wow, um, mm. amazing. Uh, yeah, never get that. Yeah, I, I think... Um, I guess like a lot of people, I take these things for granted slightly because I've been there for so long. But I think most of the nice international gigs that I get and nice events that I get really probably happen because I'm the guy who plays in in the in the Savoy and been there for so many years. You know, I should capitalise on that more. <laughs> but I think that probably is the case. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a few near misses. I've, I've written a few songs with people that have nearly made it. Um, and so my my dream, I'm always busy writing and recording. There's a few things on Spotify, and so my dream. My real unfulfilled ambition is to write a song that does reasonably well, just to kind of, you know, uh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be extraordinary. I've heard things on radio and TV, but to have a real, to have a, a even a nearly hit would be, would be a, a, an extraordinary ambition. And that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. And don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. And to sign up to that, you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.